At this time in your life, you have probably had the experience of trying to perform a task that seemed really difficult and beyond your ability or experience. And possibly, while you were attempting this seemingly insurmountable task, there were some, maybe even friends, who tried to discourage you, embarrass you, and belittle you. Challenges are different for each of us, but the source for help is the same. Let's look at Nephi's experience. He grew up in a desert. We don't know if he had ever seen a ship before the Lord asked him to build a ship, a seemingly insurmountable task. But Nephi had faith the Lord would help him. He said the Lord showed him from time to time how he should build it. Nephi tells us he did not build it like men build ships. He built it after the manner the Lord showed him. Then he tells us how. I did pray oft unto the Lord, wherefore the Lord showed unto me great things. When you pray often and seek to know the Lord's will, like Nephi did, the Lord will show you the way. But you can be sure when you are trying your best to obey, you may face strong opposition from those wishing to discourage and dissuade you. Nephi's dissenters were his own brothers. Think how hard that would be. At times you young women may feel you are having an experience like Nephi. The Lord has not asked you to build a ship, but to build your life. You don't yet know what your completed mortal life looks like, but your Father in Heaven knows and can guide you one step at a time. He's asking you to build your life according to His guidelines because He's the one who created you and wants you ready to return back home with Him someday. Like Nephi, you too may have detractors and dissenters seeking to change your course or at least slow down your progress. But you have access to the same system of communication that Nephi used. Long before email and faxes, cell phones and satellite dishes, commuters and the internet, the, this communication with your Heavenly Father was in place. It predates every type of networking invention today. Its power extends through the cosmos. Heavenly Father has given you the gift of the Holy Ghost to be available to help you whenever you earnestly seek Him. Like Nephi, you can know what to build according to the Lord's plan for you. You'll want to invite this power to help you navigate through the challenges of mortality until you're safely home. It requires no special equipment or experience, no social status or money, for the Holy Ghost to guide you. The next time you renew your baptismal covenant by taking the sacrament, listen to the promise. When you always remember your Savior and keep His commandments, you will always have His Spirit to be with you. Think of that. With a gift so magnificent, why would we ever resist such guidance? When our young daughter was practicing the piano, I suggested she play her piece over five more times to be prepared for her lesson, and she said, No, Mom. Five is too many. I said, Then you choose how many times you need. She said, No, you choose, but don't choose five. <laughs> Are we ever like that when the Spirit prompts us what to do and it isn't easy or comfortable or popular and we say, Please tell me again. I want to be obedient, but just tell me something a little easier and more fun. It can be dangerous trying to please ourselves. I remember when I was about your age, wishing the Spirit would tell me something different. I grew up in a small town in Canada. 
there were 10 people in my high school graduating class, so I graduated in the top 10 of my class. (laughs) One evening, my sister Shirley and I were going to the same party at a friend's house. Mom and Dad reminded us to come right home after the party. Shirley was a year younger than I and went with her group of friends, and I went with mine. After the party, Shirley went directly home, a clear indication to Mom and Dad that the party was over. I was not as wise. With my group of friends, we began driving around the exciting places in town, the grain elevators in the cemetery. (laughs) As time passed, I got the strong feeling that I should be home. But how could I be the first one to say, I have to go home? So I didn't. I stayed with my friends, laughing, pretending I was having a good time. The feeling that I should go home grew stronger and stronger. Finally, I laughingly said to my friends, If you see a blue car ahead, it's just my dad looking for me. No sooner had I said those words (laughs) than there indeed was a blue car and my dad standing in the middle of the road. There wasn't a lot of traffic. Waving his arms for us to stop. Dad came around the car door, opened it, and said quietly, Sharon, you better come home with me. I wanted to crawl under the floor mats of the car and never come out. How could my dad be so cruel and insensitive? And why didn't my sister wait outside the house so mom and dad wouldn't know when the party was over? (laughs) I talked to my sister recently about this, and she said, I did wait outside until I almost froze to death. At the time, I was sure it was everyone else's fault that I was so humiliated in front of my friends. Through the lens of time and reality, I see more clearly what really happened. I was prompted and warned several times, not by a legion of angels or even one small angel, but a still, small voice. Actually, it was just a feeling I had. It was so subtle, so quiet that it could be easily brushed away and I could pretend it wasn't really there, and my friends were. I had overstepped something that was expected of me. I had chosen to be popular with my friends instead of pleasing my parents and the Lord. But even when I deliberately chose not to obey, the Spirit was still there prompting me, You can't do wrong and feel right. Pretending the Spirit isn't prompting you when it is is it's like putting the wrong answer down on a test when you know the right answer. There may be times the Spirit finds it difficult to help you because maybe you're not asking for His help in your prayers, or maybe because you're not listening, or maybe the message can't get through the loud music or the radio or video. Kirsten said, From personal experience, if we will listen to the Spirit, our lives will not be as complicated and full of temptation. Laman and Lemuel refused to listen so many times that they were past feeling those sacred promptings. You might ask yourself, how can I tell it's the Holy Ghost teaching me and not my emotions or circumstances? Think of a time when you know you felt the Spirit of the Lord. Maybe it was during testimony meeting at camp, or you were with your family, or you were reading the scriptures or praying. Maybe sometime during this meeting, as you listen to the music, or hear our prophet speak, you'll feel that warmth in your heart. That is the Holy Ghost bearing witness to you. Remember, 
Remember how the Spirit feels. Use that experience to help you identify the Spirit again and again. The Holy Ghost will teach you in different ways at different times. Nephi had to learn this. Learn how the Lord communicates with you. Amanda said, I was sitting in seminary one day listening to the plan of salvation speech that I had heard a million times before, but all of a sudden it just clicked. I could kind of see in my mind everything and how it fit together. I could really feel the Spirit of the Holy Ghost with me and knew that everything in the gospel was true. Sometimes the promptings is no more than an uneasy feeling. One young woman said, My stomach got a funny feeling, and something was telling me to say no and walk away. Carolani was having a particularly bad time. She said, I ask in my mind, what did Heavenly Father want me to do? I got the impression to read my patriarchal blessing, so I did. I cried tears of joy knowing I was someone who was loved and worth something. Young women, you are loved, and you are worth everything, even the life of your Savior. I saw evidence of this love in a small branch in British Columbia, Canada. We met in a little house for branch conference and in the basement for young women. The poster of the theme was on the wall. A doily and flowers were on a small table surrounded by four chairs. Attending were the branch young woman president, the stake young woman president, a general young woman officer, and one young woman named Holly. Also present was the influence and power of the Holy Ghost. I learned a lesson at that very moment, that the Lord was as concerned about one precious woman as He is about the thousands of you. Heavenly Father's top priority is His children. If it's important to you, it's important to Him. Whatever concern you have is His concern. Whatever you have a question about, the Lord knows the answer. Whatever sadness you're feeling, He knows how you feel and will ease the pain. He knows what it's like to feel all alone. He will comfort you. If Heavenly Father knew me, growing up in a town so small it was rarely on any map, He knows you. If he knows one young woman in a faraway branch in British Columbia, he knows you wherever you are. I have learned that truth for myself and bear that witness to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. My brothers and sisters, my heart is filled with gratitude this morning as we gather in this great conference. I am grateful that the Lord has spared my life to see this day as I reminded the young women to whom I spoke a week ago. Someone recently gave me a copy of my old high school yearbook. It was the year of my graduation. It was 73 years ago. I was part of the class of 1928. It was an intriguing experience to thumb through it. Most of those who were so young and energetic at that time have passed on. 
A few are left, but they are wrinkled and somewhat feeble in their movements. Now and again, when I complain of some little ailment, my wife will say, It's your age, boy. (laughs) I repeat, I am deeply grateful to be alive. I am excited with this wonderful age in which we live. I thank the Lord for men and women of great dedication and great capacity who are doing so much to extend human life and to make it more comfortable and pleasant. I am grateful for good doctors who help us with our infirmities. I am thankful for wonderful friends, among whom I include the great and faithful saints across the world whom I have come to know. Thank you for all that you do for me, for the letters you send, for flowers and books, and various expressions of your thoughtfulness and love. I am thankful for generous friends through whose kindness it has been possible for me to get out among the saints in the nations of the earth, to meet with them, to share testimony and love with them. I am grateful for my dear wife with whom I have shared these nearly 64 years of companionship. I feel grateful for a faithful posterity. The Lord has blessed me in a marvelous way. I am thankful for my brethren of the general authorities who are so kind and deferential toward me. I am thankful for every one of you in this great family more than 11 million strong, which constitutes the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In opening the conference, I simply want to very briefly give a report on the Church. It is stronger than it has ever been. It is not only larger in numbers, but I believe there is greater faithfulness among the Saints generally. During the past six months, we have had the opportunity of dedicating temples scattered over the earth far and wide. We have heard testimony of the truth of this work spoken in various languages. I have seen the overwhelming faith of our people who have traveled long distances to get to these dedications. I have witnessed a marvelous increase in the growth of temple activity. We are experiencing slow but steady improvement in most of our fields of activity. I am so grateful that we live in an era of comparative peace. There are no great wars raging across the world. There is trouble here and there, but not a great worldwide conflict. We are able to carry the gospel to so many nations of the earth and bless the lives of people wherever it goes. We are well on our way to enlarging the educational opportunity for our youth. We have announced that Ricks College will become a four-year school to be known as BYU-Idaho. We are grateful to learn that the school has now received an endorsement from the accrediting body. It is remarkable to have this in so short a time. We are constructing new buildings on a scale of which we never have dreamed before. We must do so if we are to accommodate the growth of the Church. 
the welfare program moves forward. We are particularly grateful that we have been able to extend humanitarian aid of a very substantial volume in many parts of the earth. We've distributed food, medicine, clothing, bedding, and other necessities to assist those who suddenly found themselves victims of catastrophe. I will speak this evening to the priesthood, brethren, concerning another program, which I think will be of great interest to all of you. One of the bellwether marks of the growth and vitality of the Church is the construction of temples. I have spoken of this before, but I am so deeply grateful that since we last met in General Conference, we were able to reach our goal of 100 operating temples by the end of the year 2000. In fact, we exceeded it. We have just come from dedicating a temple in Uruguay, the 103rd working temple of the Church. The great work of temple building goes on throughout the world. I looked the other day at a list of all the temples which are now in operation or have been announced, 121 of them. I was amazed at the length of the list and at the incredible diversity of the areas in which they are located. It is wonderful, but we are not satisfied. We will keep on working to bring the temples to the people, making it more convenient for Latter-day Saints everywhere to receive the blessings which can only be had in these holy houses. I have said before that the blessings of the temple represent that fullness of the priesthood of which the Lord spoke when He revealed His will under the prophet Joseph Smith. With the location of temples much nearer to the homes of our people, there is made more available to them all of the ordinances to be had in the Lord's house for both the living and the dead. Temples will soon be dedicated in Winter Quarters, Nebraska, Guadalajara, Mexico, and Perth, Australia. They are under construction in Asuncion, Paraguay, Campinas, Brazil, the Tri-Cities area of Washington, Copenhagen, Denmark, Lubbock, Texas, Monterey, Mexico, Nauvoo, Illinois, Snowflake, Arizona, and The Hague, Netherlands. Another six temples have been announced, and groundbreaking services will soon be held for these. In addition, we have visited and are giving consideration to a significant number of potential temple sites in the United States, Central and South America, Europe, and the Isles of the Sea. I will not mention their names because this will only create excitement when we do not yet have the ground on which to build them. The construction of each temple represents a maturing of the Church. We will continue to build these sacred houses of the Lord as rapidly as energy and resources will allow. We are grateful for the faithful Latter-day Saints who pay their tithing and make possible this important program. We are not without critics, some of whom are mean and vicious. We have always had them, and I suppose we will have them all through the future. But we shall go forward, returning good for evil, being helpful and kind and generous. I remind you of the teachings of our Lord concerning these matters. 
You are all acquainted with him. Let us be good people. Let us be friendly people. Let us be neighborly people. Let us be what members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints ought to be. My dearly beloved brethren and sisters, how much I appreciate your prayers and your love. I extend my love to each of you. May the heavens open and may blessings come down upon you in abundance as you walk in faithfulness before the Lord. We shall now be pleased to go forward with the proceedings of this great gathering. God bless you, my beloved associates. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful hymn. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for what you are, young women of the Church. Thank you so much. And thanks to you, Sister Nadal, Sister Thomas, Sister Larson, for the wonderful talks that you have given to these young women tonight. What a wonderful sight you are in this great hall. Hundreds of thousands of others are assembled across the world. They will hear us in more than a score of languages. Our speech will be translated into their native tongues. It is an overwhelming responsibility to speak to you, and at the same time it is a tremendous opportunity. I pray for the direction of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, of which we have heard so much this night. Though various nationalities, you are all of one great family. You are daughters of God. You are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In your youth, you speak of the future, and it is bright with promise. You speak of hope and faith and achievement. You speak of goodness and love and peace. You speak of a better world than we have ever known. You are creatures of divinity. You are daughters of the Almighty. Limitless is your potential. Magnificent is your future if you will take control of it. Do not let your lives drift in a fruitless and worthless manner. Someone gave me a copy of my high school yearbook the other day. Seems that when people get tired of old books, they send them to me. <laughs> I spent an hour thumbing through it, looking at the pictures of my friends of 73 years ago, my high school class of 1928. Most of those in that yearbook have now lived their lives and gone beyond. Some seem to have lived almost without purpose, while others lived with great achievements. I looked at the faces of the boys who were my friends and associates. Once they were youthful and bright and energetic. Now those who are left are wrinkled and slow in their walk. Their lives still have meaning, but they are not as vital as they once were. I looked in that old yearbook at the faces of the girls I knew. Many of them have passed on, 
and the remainder live in the shadows of life, but they are still beautiful and fascinating. My thoughts go back to those young men and women of my youth, back to where you are today. By and large, we were a happy lot. We enjoyed life. I think we were ambitious. The dark and terrible depression which swept over the earth would not come for another year. 1928 was a season of high hopes and splendid dreams. In our quieter moments, we were all dreamers. The boys dreamed of mountains yet to climb and careers yet to be lived. The girls dreamed of becoming the kind of woman that most of them saw in their mothers. As I have thought of this, I have concluded to title my talk for tonight, How Can I Become the Kind of Woman of Whom I Dream? Some months ago, I spoke to you and the young men of the Church. I suggested six Bs that you ought to pursue. Do you think we could name them together? Let's try. Be grateful. Say it. Be grateful. Be smart. Be clean. Be true. Be humble. Be prayerful. I have not the slightest doubt that these patterns of behavior will yield success and happiness and peace. I recommend them to you again with a promise that if you will follow them, your lives will be fruitful of great good. I believe you will be successful in your endeavors. As you grow old, I am satisfied that you will look back with appreciation for the manner in which you chose to live. Tonight, in speaking to you young women, I may touch on some of these same things without repeating the same language. They are worthy of repetition, and I again commend them to you. In the yearbook of which I have spoken is the picture of a young woman. She was bright and effervescent and beautiful. She was a charmer. Life for her could be summed up in one short word, fun. She dated the boys and danced away the days and nights studying a little but not too much, just enough to get grades that would take her through graduation. She married a boy of her own kind. Alcohol took possession of her life. She could not leave it alone. She was a slave to it. Her body succumbed to its treacherous grip. Sadly, her life faded without achievement. There is a picture of another girl in that yearbook. She was not particularly beautiful, but she had a wholesome look about her, a sparkle in her eyes and a smile on her face. She knew why she was in school. She was there to learn. She dreamed of the kind of woman she wanted to be and patterned her life accordingly. She also knew how to have fun, but knew when to stop and put her mind on other things. There was a boy in school at the time. He had come from a small rural town. He had very little money. He brought lunch in a brown paper bag. He looked a little like the farm from which he had come. There was nothing especially handsome or dashing about him. 
He was a good student. He'd set a goal for himself. It was lofty and at times appeared almost impossible of attainment. These two fell in love. People said, what does he see in her? Or what does she see in him? They each saw something wonderful which no one else saw. Upon graduating from the university, they married. They scrimped and worked. Money was hard to come by. He went on to graduate school. She continued to work for a time. And then their children came. She gave her attention to them. A few years ago, I was riding a plane home from the east. It was late at night. I walked down the aisle in the semi-darkness. I saw a woman asleep with her head on the shoulder of her husband. She awakened as I approached. I immediately recognized the girl I had known in high school so long before. <clears throat> I recognized the boy I had also known. They were now approaching old age. As we talked, she explained that their children were grown and that they were grandparents. She proudly told me that they were returning from the East, where he had gone to deliver a paper. There, at a great convention, he had been honored by his peers from across the nation. I learned that they had been active in the Church, serving in whatever capacity they were asked to serve. By every measure, they were successful. They had accomplished the goals which they had set for themselves. They had been honored and respected and had made a tremendous contribution to the society of which they were a part. She had become the woman of whom she had dreamed. She had exceeded that dream. As I returned to my seat on the plane, I thought of those two girls of whom I have spoken to you tonight. The life of the one had been spelled out in a three-letter word, F-U-N. It had been lived aimlessly, without stability, without contribution to society, without ambition. It had ended in misery and pain and early death. The life of the other had been difficult. It had meant scrimping and saving. It had meant working and struggling to keep going. It had meant simple food and plain clothing and a very modest apartment in the years of her husband's initial effort to get started in his profession. But out of that seemingly sterile soil, there had grown a plant—yes, two plants—side by side that blossomed and bloomed in a beautiful and wonderful way. Those beautiful blossoms spoke of service to fellow men, of unselfishness one to another, of love and respect and faith in one's companion, of happiness as they met the needs of others in the various activities which they pursued. As I pondered the conversation with these two, I determined within myself to do a little better to be a little more dedicated, to set my sights a little higher, to love my wife a little more dearly, to help her and treasure her and look after her. And so, my dear, dear young friends, 
I feel soreness, so sincere, so anxious to say something to you this night which will help you become the woman of whom you dream. As a starter, there must be cleanliness, for immorality will blight your life and leave a scar that will never entirely leave you. There must be purpose. We are here to accomplish something, to bless society with our talents and our learning. There can be fun, yes, but there must be recognition of the fact that life is serious, that the risks are great, but that you can overcome them if you will discipline yourselves and seek the unfailing strength of the Lord. Let me first assure you that if you have made a mistake, if you have become involved in any immoral behavior, all is not lost. Memory of that mistake will likely linger, but the deed can be forgiven, and you can rise above the past to live a life fully acceptable unto the Lord where there has been repentance. He has promised that He will forgive your sins and remember them no more against you. He has set up the machinery with which helpful parents and Church leaders to assist you in your difficulty. You can butt behind you any evil with which you have been involved. You can go forward with a renewal of hope and acceptability to a far better way of life. But there will be scars that will remain. The best way, the only way for you, is to avoid any entrapment with evil. President George Albert Smith used to say, Stay on the Lord's side of the line. You have within you instincts powerful and terribly persuasive, urging you at times to let go and experience a little fling. You must not do it. You cannot do it. You are daughters of God with tremendous potential. He has great expectations concerning you, as do others. You cannot let down for a minute. You cannot give in to an impulse. There must be discipline, strong and unbending. Flee from temptation as Joseph fled from the wiles of Potiphar's wife. There is nothing in all this world as magnificent as virtue. It glows without tarnish. It is precious and beautiful. It is above price. It cannot be bought or sold. It is the fruit of self-mastery. You young women spend a lot of time thinking of the boys. You can have a good time with them, but never overstep the line of virtue. Any young man who invites or encourages you or demands that you indulge in any kind of sexual behavior is unworthy of your company. Get him out of your life before both yours and his are blighted. If you can thus discipline yourselves, you will be grateful for as long as you live. Most of you will marry, and your marriage will be much the happier for your earlier restraint. You will be worthy to go to the house of the Lord. There is no adequate substitute for this marvelous blessing. The Lord has given a wonderful mandate. He has said, 
Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. This becomes a commandment to be observed with diligence and discipline, and there is attached to it the promise of marvelous and wonderful blessings. He has said to those who live with virtue, quote, Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. The Holy Ghost, get this, the Holy Ghost of which we've spoken tonight shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter and unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth, and thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. And without compulsory means, it shall flow unto thee forever and ever." Close quote. Could there be a greater promise or more beautiful promise than this? Find purpose in your life. Choose the things you would like to do and educate yourselves to be effective in their pursuit. For most, it is very difficult to settle on a vocation. You are hopeful that you will marry and that all will be taken care of. In this day and time, a girl needs an education. She needs the means, the skills by which to earn a living should she find herself in a situation where it becomes necessary to do so. Study your options. Pray to the Lord earnestly for direction. Then pursue your course with resolution. The whole gamut of human endeavor is now open to women. There is not anything that you cannot do if you will set your mind to it. You can include in the dream of the woman you would like to be a picture of one qualified to serve society and make a significant contribution to the world of which you will be a part. I was in the hospital the other day for a few hours to have a minor problem taken care of. I became acquainted with my very cheerful and expert nurse. She is the kind of woman of whom you girls could dream. When she was young, she decided she wished to be a nurse. She received the necessary education to qualify for the highest rank in the field. She worked at her vocation and became expert at it. She decided she wanted to serve a mission and did so. She married. She has three children. She works now as little or as much as she wishes. There is such a demand for people with her skills that she can do almost anything she pleases. She serves in the Church. She has a good marriage. She has a good life. She is the kind of woman of, you might, of whom you might dream as you look to the future. For you, my dear friends, the sky is the limit. You can be excellent in every way. You can be first class. There is no need for you to be a scrub. Respect yourself. Do not feel sorry for yourself. Do not dwell on unkind things others may say about you. Particularly, pay no attention to what some boy might say to demean you. He's no better than you. In fact, he's already belittled himself by his actions. Polish and refine whatever talents the Lord has given you. Go forward in life with a twinkle in your eye and a smile on your face, but with great and strong purpose in your heart. Love life and look for its opportunities. 
and forever and always be loyal to the Church. Never forget that you came to earth as a child of the Divine Father with something of divinity in your very makeup. The Lord did not send you here to fail. He did not give you life to waste it. He bestowed upon you the gift of mortality that you might gain experience, positive, wonderful, purposeful experience that will lead to life eternal. He has given you this glorious Church, His Church, to guide you and direct you, to give you opportunity for growth and experience, to teach you and lead you and encourage you, to bless you with eternal marriage and seal upon you a covenant between you and Him that will make of you His chosen daughter, one upon whom He may look with love and with a desire to help. May God bless you richly and abundantly, my dear young friends, his wonderful daughters. Of course, there will be some problems along the way. There will be difficulties to overcome, but they will not last forever. He will not forsake you. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So amid the conflicts, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Health and comfort give you to your journey's end. Look to the positive. Know that He is watching over you, that He hears your prayers and will answer them, that He loves you and will make that love manifest. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in all that you do as you look to the kind of woman of which you dream. You can do it. You will have friends and loved ones to help, and God will bless you as you pursue your course. This, girls, is my humble promise and prayer in your behalf. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. It will now be my pleasure to address you. Do you remember the song which begins, I think when I read that sweet story of old, when Jesus was here among men, how he called little children like lambs to his fold? I should like to have been with him then. Try to imagine what it would have been like to have Jesus place his hands on your head and bless you, as the scriptures say he did when he was on earth. Think of actually being able to be near the Savior. Imagine being loved and healed and blessed and guided by him as they were then. When he was on the earth, the members of his church loved him. They depended on him and they followed him. You can imagine how saddened they were at the prospect of him leaving them. But he promised, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, 
that he may abide with you forever. The Comforter is the Holy Ghost. He then gave them the priceless gift of the Comforter to be their companion after he was gone. You, too, are loved by the Lord, just as were the disciples of old. You are loved more than you will ever know. He wants you to be successful in your life's mission. You don't have to face the experiences of this life alone, nor have you been sent here to fail. For this reason, a holy gift was given to you at the time of your baptism and confirmation, when hands were placed on your head and you were told, Receive the Holy Ghost. It is almost as if your Father in Heaven gave you a gift to celebrate your official entrance into His kingdom on earth. The Holy Spirit can be with you always and guide you back to Him. But in order to enjoy the benefits of this holy gift, you must truly receive it, and then you must use it in your life. How sad it would be to be given such a precious gift and then set it aside and never use it. I would like to talk to you tonight about just three of the things the Holy Ghost can do. He can comfort, guide, and testify. First, let's focus on the comforting power of the Holy Ghost. When I was just a young girl, I became seriously ill. And each day the illness became increasingly severe. Nothing the doctor recommended helped. At that time, the dreaded disease of polio was raging in almost epidemic proportions in the land. It was taking the lives of many, and those who didn't die were often left crippled. Polio was everyone's worst fear in those days. One night, my illness became critical, and my father and grandfather administered to me using consecrated oil and through the power of the holy Melchizedek priesthood, which they held worthily. They called upon God for healing and help and guidance and comfort. And then my parents took me to a doctor in another town who immediately sent us to Salt Lake City two and a half hours away with the admonition to hurry. I overheard the doctor whisper that he was certain it was polio. When we finally arrived at the hospital in Salt Lake, there were medical personnel waiting for us, and they grabbed me from my parents' arms and whisked me away. Without a word of goodbye or explanation, we were separated, and I was all alone, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Following the painful diagnostic procedures, including a spinal tap, they took me to an, a hospital isolation room where I would stay all by myself with the hope that I would not infect anyone else, for indeed, I did have polio. I remember how very frightened I was. It was so dark, and I was so sick and so alone. But my parents had taught me to pray, and I got on my knees 
and I knelt beside the railing in the crib-like bed, and I asked Heavenly Father to bless me. I was crying, I remember, and Heavenly Father heard my prayer. Even though I was only a child, He did. Heavenly Father sent His comforting power, which enveloped me in quiet love. I felt the power of the Holy Ghost, and I was not alone. Now let me tell you a second experience. I know of a precious young woman who needs comfort because of heartache in her life. She is worried about her family situation and the disharmony between her parents. It is sad and very troubling to her and to her brothers and sisters. She's the oldest child and wonders what she can do about this serious problem in their family. Maybe you find yourself in a similar situation. Although there is no solution that is easy, and there is no one formula that will work for everyone with a heartache or a concern, there is one who cares very much about your situation, and he knows what you should do. And that is our Father in Heaven. He cares as much about your life as if He were right here with you and could speak with you face to face. He knows the feelings of this girl's heart, and He knows the feelings of your heart as well. To bless you, the gift of peace that the Holy Spirit brings has been given to you. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Young women, pray for comfort, and that gift will come to you. My second point is, the Holy Spirit has the power to guide a 15-year-old girl felt that she needed to find new friends. Have you ever felt that way? She writes, Now, I don't know if you have ever had to change friends, but it honestly was the hardest thing I have ever had to do. She decided to put her problem in the hands of the Lord, and she also counseled with her parents. She says that after several months, she wanted to just give up. One afternoon, she was casually talking to her seminary teacher, and she confided her problem to him. And then he said, I really don't know why I'm asking you this, but do you happen to know these girls? This girl answered with a yes. And then he said, Have you ever thought about being friends with them? I told him that there was no way I could fit in with them. Then he asked me if he could talk to one of the girls. I decided I would let him if he promised not to embarrass me. Well, that next day, I received a phone call from one of the girls. Now, you have to understand that this girl was on student council, and I hate to use the term, but she was extremely popular. She asked if I would like to go to the basketball game with her that night. That night was one of the funnest, most peaceful nights of my life. The next day at school, she introduced me to two other girls, and we all instantly became friends. This event has changed me. She concludes by saying, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have the Lord, who knows the outcome of everything, direct my life 
than just me who sees things as they are at the time. He is right by our side, walking us through life, even when we feel so alone. The Lord promises us that because of meekness and lowliness of heart cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love, which love endureth by diligence unto prayer. Your Heavenly Father will help you find the right path as you seek His guidance. Remember, though, after you pray, you must get off your knees and start doing something positive. Head in the right direction. He'll send people along the way who will assist you, but you must be doing your part as well. By the gift and power of the Holy Ghost, you can be guided on your trip through life. Now, point number three. The Holy Ghost is also a testifier. This Holy Spirit can help you really understand deep down inside the most important truth ever known, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and that because of Him, every one of us who ever lived will one day live again. And because of Him, we can repent of wrongdoing and get on the path that leads us back to our Heavenly Father. That is what the Atonement is. The Holy Spirit will testify of that truth to our hearts as we seek to know, and He testifies to others as we bear our testimony of these truths to them. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland teaches that when we bear our testimony to others, they're not only hearing our testimony of Christ, but they're hearing echoes of other earlier testimonies, including their own testimonies of Him. For they were among the valiant who chose Christ and chose to follow Him over Satan in the premortal life. Elder Holland says that when they hear others bear witness of Christ's mission, it has a familiar feeling. It brings an echo of truth they themselves already know. And furthermore, when you bear testimony of Christ's mission, you invoke the power of God the Father and the Holy Ghost. In Moroni chapter 5, we're promised that by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. My dear young sisters, work to gain a testimony of Christ's mission. It will come to you by the power of the Holy Ghost, and then share your testimony and bear it often. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, a guide, a testifier. What a remarkable and holy member of the Godhead. And you have the right to His influence and inspiration. How blessed and loved you are! And now, because you have been given so much, you too must give. And so tonight, with this in mind, we would like to make a very special request of you. It is an invitation, really, and we hope you will accept it, and we hope you will act upon it. Are you ready? This is the invitation.
Will you reach out and bring one other young woman into full activity in the Church this coming year? Surely each one of you knows of a girl who is less active or a recent convert or who is not a member. We are asking you to reach out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with one other young woman so that she can also enjoy the sweet blessings of heaven that we have spoken of tonight. Think of how many lives would be blessed, how many young women could be comforted and guided and have stronger testimonies. This year, there are over one-half million young women in the Church. Just think, if each one of you will accept this invitation to reach out and bring in just one, next year there will be twice as many active young women. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in your effort. Your parents and your leaders will also help you know what to do and how to do it. And we will be eager to learn of your experiences and your successes. In my message to you, I did not use a story to illustrate the third point of this talk, which was to testify, because this story will be yours to write as you accept our invitation. I hope that you will begin that story tonight. I began tonight with a song reminding us of the days when the Savior lived on earth among men. I now conclude with the words of a hymn reminding us that though He has gone from our view, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, still lives to bless us with His love. He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. I testify that He does so through the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. I pray that we will receive and use this sacred gift from God in the holy name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you have ever wanted to develop a new talent? Have you ever taken piano or soccer lessons? Tonight I want to talk to you about developing a talent. Not just any talent, but one very special talent I bet you've never even thought about. I would like to talk to you about developing your talent for spirituality. Did you know that spirituality is a talent? Elder Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles once said, Above all talents, chief among all endowments, stands the talent for spirituality. Spirituality is learning how to listen to the Spirit and then letting it govern our lives. So how do we learn to listen to the Spirit? Well, first of all, we need to understand what the Spirit is. Second, we'll look at young women who have learned how to recognize the Spirit. As members of the Church, we are given two spiritual gifts—the light of Christ, given to all men at birth, and the special gift of the Holy Ghost, given after our baptism. It allows us to live by the power of the Holy Ghost, 
which is the power of revelation and testimony. Once we know what the Spirit is, how do we recognize it when we feel it? That's the hardest part. When I was 14, I remember realizing what the Spirit was for the very first time. I loved going to church, especially sacrament meeting. I always felt so warm and peaceful. This was the Spirit. I'm not sure I knew how important it was. I just knew it made me feel good. As an adult, I've learned that it not only makes us feel good, it teaches and testifies and cleanses us from sin. It can warn us of danger and help us remember things. Some young women struggle to identify the Spirit. One girl wrote, I haven't really had any experiences with the Holy Ghost, and that's mostly my fault for not living like I should. But I'm trying harder, and hopefully I will have a chance soon to feel the comforting influence of the Holy Ghost. These feelings are normal. This young woman may not know it, but the Holy Ghost is giving her a desire to feel the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't always give us warm, fuzzy feelings. Most of the time, the voice of inspiration is a quiet voice, a still, small voice. I remember what the Savior said to the faithful Nephites when he visited the New World. I perceive that ye are weak, that ye cannot understand all my words. Go into your homes, ponder on the things which I have said, and ask the Father that ye may understand. The Savior's words were written for us. It's okay if we're weak, as long as we don't stay weak, as long as we do something about it. Katie is a young woman who did just that. Let me share her story with you. All my life I've wanted to be good, but I got to the point where I wondered, how can anyone really know if the Church is true? I took Moroni's challenge and for five months prayed and read my scriptures every day. One night I sat on my bed, almost in tears, giving up. I decided to pray. I said, Heavenly Father, help me to please just know you are there. I have done what thou hast asked according to the Church, and I just really need to know. Immediately I felt like someone had wrapped their arms around me. I didn't hear a loud voice or see an angel, but I felt Heavenly Father telling me, Sweet Katie, you've known all along. It was like a daddy comforting his little girl. One of the main functions of the Holy Ghost is to testify of truth. The Spirit testified to Katie that the gospel is true. Katie had paid the price. As the Savior said, she went to her home, studied his words, and prayed for five whole months. Katie is developing her talent for spirituality. She can use this gift to govern her life. Talents are meant to be shared. As you learn to play the piano, you can bless others with your music. As you develop your talent for spirituality, you can use this gift to bless your family. Did you know you have some responsibility for the happiness in your family? It isn't just your mom's or dad's job to keep the family happy. You can help, too. Listen to what Brooke did as she shared her talent for spirituality. My eight-year-old sister was scared of strangers coming into the house. 
One night she came into my room, and I tried to explain to her that she wasn't hearing anybody walking around. I remembered my seminary teacher challenged us to always try to have Heavenly Father's Spirit with us. So I prayed in my heart that I would get help to not be frustrated. A verse came instantly into my head. I opened the scriptures and told her to read it to me. Then I was bearing testimony to her about the Holy Ghost and how she wanted peace to get down and pray and the Spirit would come. She gave me a hug and a kiss and went off to bed. And then I remembered my ten-year-old sister on the top bunk. She told me she never knew that if you wanted something like that, you could pray and the Spirit would bring you peace. I know the Holy Ghost was inspiring me to say that. There are lots of ways you can bless your family. Brooke did three important things. She bore her testimony, she prayed for her sister, and she was an example to her other sister in the top bunk. This strengthened her own spirituality as well. The Savior invites us to bear testimony. He has said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Many of you love bearing testimony at camp. Well, you don't have to wait for camp. You can bear your testimony to your family, often in simple ways. When my grandchildren visited me and we saw a picture of President Hinckley, I said, I love President Hinckley. I am so grateful to have a living prophet on the earth today. It took about ten seconds, but it taught my grandchildren and helped us feel the Spirit. We bear testimony every single day by our example. Just last month, when I was writing this talk, my daughter Jill came home, happily fixed dinner, and washed the dishes. The sweet spirit she carries in her heart blesses our home. I know she loves Jesus by the way she shows her love for me. Another way we show our love for Jesus is through prayer. President Hinckley has said, Let every family in this church have prayer together. Your daily conversations with him will bring peace into your hearts and a joy into your lives that can come from no other source. You can help your family remember to pray. Prayer is like an umbrella in the storms of life. When I was a busy mom with seven children at home, I was so grateful when one of my children would say, We forgot to have family prayer. Sometimes we would stand by the back door and pray as the children ran off to school. It always strengthened the spirituality in our home. And you can pray for your family. If there is contention, pray for a spirit of peace. No matter what, Heavenly Father will bless you with peace in your heart. Prayer is a miracle. It can help develop the spirituality in your home. Recently, our prophet, President Hinckley, prayed for the youth of the Church. It was a never-to-be-forgotten experience. Can you even imagine how wonderful it would be to know that Jesus prays for us? When he was among the Nephites, he knelt upon the earth and prayed unto the Father. No one can conceive of the joy which filled our souls 
at the time we heard him pray for us unto the Father. Could it be with you as it was with the Nephite children? As the Savior ministered to them, he did loose their tongues, and they did speak great and marvelous things, even greater than he had revealed unto the people. With the power of the Spirit, you too can speak great and marvelous things in your own family. These children saw angels descending out of heaven, as it were in the midst of fire. They came down and encircled those little ones about, and the angels did minister unto them. You may never see angels descending out of heaven, but I can promise you as you bear testimony and pray in your families, unseen angels will minister to you. As you share your talent for spirituality, you will feel the warmth and the power of the Spirit governing your life. The prophets are right. You young women are part of the greatest generation we have ever had. You can be a strong influence on your family. It is a true principle that the Lord operates through families. Now that you have learned how the Spirit works and how you as young women can use it to bless your families, it is our prayer that you will let spirituality become you. Heavenly Father is eager to unleash this great power. May the Spirit bless you as you develop your talent for spirituality. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.